when it gets to retirement, again, we've mentioned this before, if, if there's a pullback in the market and 100% of your money is in the market or a company stock, uh, that's just way too much risk to be taken on. So I, I get people having a large share of company stock while they're working uh, because the, the great stock options that you may have. But once people get into retirement, you've got to spread that around. Welcome to the Perfect Game Retirement Podcast with former professional baseball player and now financial coach at Black Oak Asset Management, Ryan Ledman. This show will help you make the right financial decisions so you can pitch a perfect game in retirement. Here's the wind-up and the delivery. Welcome into Perfect Game Retirement. We've got a good show for you today. We've got a mailbag question to get to. We've got a getting-to-know-you question for Ryan. And, of course, our main topic today is couples. Financial mistakes that couples often make. It's hard to get on the same page, right, Ryan? I mean, you know, maybe maybe you and your spouse agree on finances, but it's always a topic of dispute, one of the most common ones in all relationships. So I'm sure there's mistakes that often get made. Absolutely. And I've seen it, uh, obviously, just working with, with married couples. But even when I would teach um, uh, Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace University at my church, there was always, you know, one person who was gung-ho and couldn't wait to start taking notes in class and then the other one who hmm. you know looked like linus you know walking into the door <laughs> dragging his blanket behind so it's very rare that couples are 100 percent on the same page but you know recognizing those strengths and weaknesses but get allowing each person to give input is is uh is hugely important from a communication standpoint yeah, so the goal today will be to identify these kind of common areas where couples mess up and and why they mess up and what they can do to kind of get on the same page with things. So we'll do that over the course of the show. We'll put it up as well online at blackoakam.com. There you can schedule your Retirement Coach 360 session now. And you can also access Ryan's uh, retirement calculator, uh, his retirement rescue toolkit, and many other resources that he has available for you now on his website at blackoakam.com. Dot com. All right, Ryan, let's start off with a little getting to know you question to kick off the show, and we'll ease into this conversation on couples as we get into it. But uh, question today, what's something that you enjoy to do the old-fashioned way, as they like to say? Uh, I think there's good, good and bad with this, but communication, like how we communicate with um, people, yeah. being being accessible <laughs> right, 24-7, that, that, I, that drives me nuts. And sometimes I have to put uh, boundaries on myself, you know, checking work emails or text messages. Uh, just, you know, just as little as 15, 20 years ago, that was not the case. Uh, so, uh, you know, I, I make, I'm, I'm sounding myself like a dinosaur here. Um, but this wave of being able to reach people and, and people think they should, uh, you know, we should get back to them instantaneously. Uh, it, it drives me nuts. So the communication thing, um, people being patient for an answer sometimes, because sometimes answers do take some time. They don't take, it's not something that's instantaneous. So that part has, uh, has, has driven me nuts. I, I don't like email. I can't stand email. I, I get it. It's, we, it's not going anywhere, <laughs> but you know, as we're recording these podcasts, I'm sure my my inbox is just mounting up. <laughs> so, <laughs> the communication thing, actually having to go see someone or pick up a phone and have a conversation, uh, it's not what it used to be. Yeah, I, 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 when you say old fashioned communication, I'm thinking like, is that now texting? Is texting old fashioned communication now with all the social <laughs> right. media we have? But yeah, I mean, I, I'm not I'm not huge on phone calls. I, I used to be. I don't know when that 
that switch flip for me, mm-hmm. but I prefer texting just simpler, easier, more convenient. Maybe I don't know, but it's more I personal still remember like clearly. So previous career, for those of you who are new listeners, I used to be a high school teacher and a high school baseball coach. I distinctly remember sitting in our coach's office and one of our coaches, he was a little bit younger than I was at the time. I was probably in my late 20s probably or maybe right at 30 and I used to see him texting I'm like what are you doing (laughs) or why do you text people all the time why don't you just like pick up the phone I just thought it was so stupid that he would text people (laughs) I clearly remember that he's like I'm telling you man so much more time efficient I'm like no it's not you're gonna you would say that to the person anyway just pick up the phone anyway it just shows how quickly that has changed because now I'm in my early 40s so it wasn't that long ago but now I'm like oh my god I couldn't imagine having to pick up the phone (laughs) have conversations all day long as opposed to just sending a message boom it's out of your head and then on to the next but the downside of that that is I swear people are more forgetful now Um, they just don't have to think and concentrate because they have so much coming at them Um, and I'm guilty of that too I mean I'll forget some things I'm like good lord how did I forget that? Or conversations I've had, not even remember talking about certain subjects uh, in a conversation. So it's like, oh God, I'm falling prey to this technology, which is great, but it's it's got its unintended consequences too. It's a good point. We don't we don't use our we don't exercise our brains as much probably, no. and it does nope. I think does hurt us detrimental over the long run. Well, very interesting. Um, I think everybody's kind of got their old school way, but yeah, communication, that's a great one. I like that one for sure. All right, let's jump into our conversation today on mistakes that couples make. And you know, I, I know you probably see it all the time, working with husbands and wives to get on the same page with their retirement plan can be a challenge in many cases. So these are, we've got five areas, five key mistakes that we've kind of identified that, that happen more than others. And we'll kind of talk through each one of these with Ryan. Uh, first one is the spousal benefit option on a pension. If you're lucky enough to have one, then you maybe have had this discussion or maybe had this uh, debate with your, your spouse. But how do you handle this, Ryan? Yeah, good. Uh, and we mentioned a little bit of this on a, on a previous episode, but kind of diving deeper into this talk about a pension. Again, if you are fortunate enough to to have one, it's a huge, huge decision. And I think people sometimes take it way too lightly. I had one client, and I've, I've been in the business for not quite 10 years. Um, so this was a client that I they, they worked with someone else because they were uh, they retired 20 years ago. So worked with someone else. They made decisions uh, from a pension standpoint that you look and the the husband uh, passed away while they were working with me. And I thought, why on earth 20 years ago, because of a variety of reasons that I want to get into, but you know, health is in there, finances are in there. There's so many different things to, to look at and go, why was that picked? And it was a reduction of his pension. It was chopped in half when he passed away. Hmm. And he had health issues. He had health issues for decades. Um, so it wasn't like he just unfortunately, you know, got cancer and it, you know, took his life very, very quickly that some cancers can do. So you look at some of those things and just scratch your head like, oh my goodness. So not only was their social security uh, benefit cut because again, you can't keep both. You can keep the higher of the two. You can't keep both. And then the pension was chopped in half. She had no clue. So I was on the phone with the benefits people after he passed away. And he says, no, there's documentation right here that says, you know, her pension goes from X down to Y after he's passed away. Um, So you can imagine 
losing your spouse, which again, he had health issues, so you could see it. It was you knew it was going to happen, but it still doesn't make it easier. But you lose your significant other, and then all of a sudden your your income is is chopped in half from both directions. And I mentioned this before, but because she had a pension and social security and she was taking required minimum distributions on her IRA, she jumped tax brackets. Even though her income went down, she was in a higher tax bracket because Mary finally jointly tax status is different than a single filer. So she even went up tax brackets. So she's paying more tax, lost her spouse, pension was cut in half. <laughs> and social security, one of the social security benefits was gone. So you talk about demoralizing. Um, so really looking at, you know, what's the age difference between the two? What the health difference is? What assets do you have? Now, some people, what they call a, a thing called pension maximization. Pension maximization is taking the full 100% benefit, life only, which covers only one person, but then having a very large death, uh, uh, excuse me, life insurance policy with a large death benefit on there. So if that person were to pass away two years later unexpectedly, there's a large life insurance policy there to cover that. So that's one way to look at it, but then you got to price that out. You got to price what that life insurance policy looks like. Because if you get a 20-year term policy, then it goes away in 20 years. So that's cheaper for a term policy, but in 20 years, when that person's 82 and closer to their age of death, whenever that may be, but they're still going to be closer if they haven't passed away already. So once that early 80s hit, then that benefit's gone. But then if you get a whole life policy, that's really, really expensive. So you have to price that out, what the reduction is for a life only or a 100% joint and survivor pension option versus what a life insurance policy will be. So not not always does that, um, does that work out in their benefit. So more times than not, depending on assets, but it's usually better to have that 100% uh, joint survivor to really take care of that spouse who's, who's left behind. All right. Social security is another area that we want to get into here. And you might think, well, social security, right? You claim your benefits as soon as you can. You, you get as much money as you can. Make sure you get it before it runs out, whatever the worry is there. Mm -hmm. But oftentimes couples aren't on the same page in, in terms of how they want to coordinate their claiming strategy. And that can cause problems. Yeah, it can, because there's, there's a ton of different ways. Uh, and again, we mentioned this on, on the previous episode before, but to dive deeper into it, a married couple has, has a lot of different avenues. And, and now as, you know, you do have some stereotypical baby boomers where one spouse stayed at home, the other spouse was the um, wage earner. And so when they got to retirement, you have the, the wage earning spouse uh, claim their social security benefit at their full retirement age. Then the uh, spouse who did not work, they get half of what their wage earning spouse receives. So you have, for example, you have someone who gets a $2,000 benefit per month and the spousal benefit is a thousand bucks a month. So now they got $3,000 coming home each and every month, uh, which is great again. But if when one are to want to pass away, $1,000 goes away per month and now you have $2,000 per month. So again, you get to keep the higher of the two, you just can't keep both. But now you, as the workforce has changed and you're going to see more and more of this over time, that they each spouse has their own benefit. And so that's where some calculating and some projections really run into, okay, how do we do this? Does one claim at full retirement age while the other one 
delays and goes to 70, which is the longest you can go. You can't go past 70 anymore, but 70 is the longest delayed credit you can get. So maybe we take one uh, and let the other one continue to grow. That way, when one person does pass away, hey, there's a higher benefit there. So we keep that. Do you claim it both at the same time? Uh, again, so many different uh, scenarios, age differences between the two. Do you still do a spousal benefit and let your own continue to increase and then switch it over to your own? Um, so there's so many different things. There, there's some loopholes that have closed in the recent years. Uh, file and suspend used to be a huge planning opportunity, uh, but that's done and gone. Uh, so there's no sense in even wasting time on it, but that was a huge claiming strategy. But Social Security Administration was like, eh, we better get rid of that one. That's costing us a lot of money. And, and people <laughs> who know what they're doing can can claim that strategy. But it is uh, it is sunsetted and has gone away. But um, again, when you have to, uh, a spouse, now if it's just a single person, it's just, okay, what age am I going to claim it at? Here's my benefit at 62. Here it is at 65, 67, 70. When do I need it? When when am I going to claim it? So it's a lot more cut and dry. But for a married couple, man, there's a lot of, there's a lot that should go into it, not just hey, I want to go ahead and get my benefit. Yeah, keep that in mind. And, and if you want to sit down with someone, please do and, and have a strategy for how you're going to approach Social Security and be on the same page. All right, I'm curious about this one. You know, 401ks and IRAs, having these individual accounts, and you know, I'm sure you know a lot of times when you get into a relationship and you know, your spouse probably already has some kind of retirement account established, so you maybe don't really talk about them a whole lot or look at what's in those investments. But how important it is to is it for the two spouses to get on the same page with these assets and make sure that they're actually aligned and working together. Yeah. Cause I mean, you want to look at this as a whole pie. I mean, it's, it, yes, they do have, each person has their IRA, which I stands for individual. We can't combine. And, and I have that question from time to time. Hey, can we just combine these IRAs? Which I get makes sense. It just makes it easier to let less to keep up with, but that's not the way it works. Um, it, you, you just are each other's beneficiaries. And if one of you were to pass, then the spouse's IRA would just merge with yours. If you want to, you can actually open an inherited IRA. Um, and there's so many different little claiming strategies with that. But most of the time, it just merges into, into your own own retirement account. But you have to look at this all together. You may have you know, one spouse has a high risk tolerance and another spouse that's got a low risk tolerance. So but you need to coordinate that all together. And so as an advisor, you need to tell these and educate these people to say, all right, these are the these investments do this function. These investments do this function. So you want to really single out what's the purpose of each one. Even though it's coordinated as a whole pie, you do want to look at and say, okay, this account, this is going to be you know, a riskier account that we don't need for 10 years or 15 years. This is our, uh, this is our safer money. This is the income for the next five years. So if you look at, and most, most advisors call it like a bucketing approach. So a bucketing approach is, Hey, this pot of money is going to be our income for the next five years. This pot of money is six through 10. This pot of money is 11 through 15, so on and so forth. Uh, and, and different investments have different uh, features and functions to them. And, and just putting your money 100% in the stock market probably is not a solution uh, for you, even though you may have a, a high risk tolerance. Now, the younger you are, the more risk you can usually take on. But when it gets to retirement, again, we've mentioned this before, if, if there's a pullback in the market and 100% of your money is in the market or a company stock, uh, that's just 
way too much risk to be taken on. So I, I get people having a large share of company stock while they're working uh, because the the great stock options that you may have. But once people get into retirement, you got to spread that around. I mean, you are taking on way too much risk. And I won't take a client on if they're not willing to to sell out at least of a portion of it. If they want to keep it all, then um, we usually just don't work with them because as a fiduciary, we, we're taking on way too much risk uh, on a mm-hmm. single stock. So coordinating that all together, again, we may have our own individual accounts, but we still need to look at this as a whole pie together. All right. It, speaking of investing, you know, an area that that we all deal with and, and struggle with is is emotion, and that a lot, a lot of that's tied to risk, right? If we take on too much risk, when the market's going up and down, we're going to be uncomfortable with where we sit in our investments. We're not going to be happy. We're going to want to make changes. We're going to react uh, instead of being proactive. So, what about for couples? I'm, I'm sure there are plenty of couples. I know. I think of me and my wife and I. I am much more comfortable with risk than she is. So I'd assume that there's a lot of spouses that you work with that just are not on the same page when it comes to risk. Yeah. And that's where you have to, again, as an advisor, that's where the education comes into play. But yeah, each side, if there's, if, if, if you're just at two ends of the spectrum from a risk standpoint, that's where compromise has to, to factor in. So that's where, okay, if we do have a pullback in the market, this is where the income is going to come from. So that's where that safer money is going to come from. Maybe maybe you have a retired couple who keeps a year's worth of income sitting in a savings account or a money market account. That could be a strategy to use as well, that it's always sitting there. Now, I get it. We've already talked about inflation before. Inflation is kind of chewing that up. I get it. But it also prevents you having to pull from investments that may be taking a bath uh, in the market, depending on what's going on, because whatever you're pulling out is just digging that hole deeper as far as the, the, the pullback or the rate of return going down. So it may be a good idea to keep it in very um, liquid short-term investments just in case. So that's something you could potentially do. But yeah, managing risk. Uh, there, there. It's very rare that everyone's on the exact same page uh, from a risk standpoint. But again, going back to that bucketing approach, the risk meter can be much higher on these investments that we're not going to need for another ten plus years. So we just say, hey, these guys are going to ping pong around over the long term. Hey, hopefully they'll be higher than than what they are now. I think they will be. But if you see a negative 20% or a negative 30% on these, we're not going to panic, okay? Because we're going to take our income from over here. Now, if we have that 30 plus percent <laughs> uh, and it does very well, hey, let's, that's house money, okay? We're, we're, we're banking on 4 to 6% rate of return. If we get 30, let's carve off some of that. Boom, there's our income for the short term. So it's a constant balance of where that money's coming from and risk is the backbone of that. That's what is determining its risk reward relationship. So it's a constant balance of where that money's coming from, which you've never had to really worry about when you're in your working years or your accumulation phase. You don't have to worry about this as much. Yeah, you don't want to see your balances go down, but it's different when you don't earn money anymore and you're having to pull money out. So a completely different beast. All right, let's close out with one that doesn't seem financial on the surface and it seems very simple, but one that you know, maybe you haven't had this conversation yet, but when you get into retirement, what do you actually want to do once you're retired? Couples don't yep. always have that, don't always talk about that and discuss those goals and what their lifestyle might look like. And that can end up being a financial problem. Yeah. I love this one. Uh, Cause it's, 
sometimes it's not, you may have money that you can easily retire, but then it's thinking to yourself, well, now what, what am I going to do? So having this conversation is hugely important. And and again, it may seem very simple, like, oh, we're going to do this, this, and this, but having conversations about what you're going to do, where you're going to live, are you going to downsize? Are you going to volunteer? Do you have some kind of other purpose um, after retirement? Or are you just going to sit on your back porch and do nothing? Some people, that's fine. People can do that. But I know I would be bored out of my mind if I did something like that. But just mentally knowing what you're going to do in retirement is just as important as financially. Again, financially, it may make sense. But some people who have been a, a, a hardworking person their whole life or a go-to person their whole life, when you retire, that all stops. You're not a go-to person anymore. You're, you're, you're just retired. Um, so that's where some people need some sort of purpose pulling them in that direction. Again, whether it's volunteering or consulting work where they can still kind of keep their mind sharp, but work the hours that they want to. And a lot of people do do that before they completely just go, okay, you know what? I'm done. And most people do eventually get to that point. Like, okay, I'm, I'm good. I want to spend time with my family. I want to spend time with my grandkids. I do want to travel some play golf every once in a while, whatever those things are. Uh, but just not having discussions about what you're actually going to do in retirement, uh, you need to have because some people aren't just mentally, uh, prepared uh, for that day. Well, all these things, uh, hopefully you and your spouse or your, whoever your partner is, don't get into these arguments over these type of things. But these are often things that people don't agree on or often make mistakes over because they're not on the same page. And, you know, I encourage you to sit down with your advisor together. And, and what's your approach to that, Ryan, when you have, when you're working with a couple, do you want them both in the office every time you have a meeting? Or if somebody's not more inclined to be involved in the money, do you just want them to check in every now and then? How do you approach that? We don't demand both be there, but especially on the front end, we do. Uh, we, when they're new to uh, working with us, we do want them there. And, and I've had people kind of push back on that and then they're not a fit. Uh, so we just, we say, okay, I respect your decision, but hopefully you respect ours and we want the the spouse there. Now, as the relationship is solidified and you know, you've had them for several years, hey, if something comes up, hey, so-and-so can't be here, is that fine? Okay, sure. The relationship is already established, but we really stress it. We want, and most people do want it as well because uh, they want you know, both sets of ears hearing this again, one's usually more financially inclined, but they want their spouse to hear everything and just know where things are at. And that's huge. That's important for both to be on the same page to say, okay, you don't need to know what this mutual fund does or what this actual product does, but this is where things are at. And if you have questions, go to Ryan or go to your advisor who that you're, who you're working with. But at least having a level of understanding is, is definitely important. But Pleading ignorance and not knowing where things are and what things do is not is not an answer. Well, if you have questions, again, blackoakam.com is the website. You can schedule your retirement coach 360 session online now and get in there and, and meet with, you know, as a couple with Ryan, go through that process and, and make sure you avoid these same mistakes that a lot of people are making with their finances. All right, we got a question now from our mailbag sent in via the website. If you have one, please do send it in to us. We'll do our best to answer it here on the show. But Jamie was in Gainesville. She writes in, says, I looked forward to retirement for many years, but now that I'm actually retired, I can't shake the feeling that I'm eventually going to run out of money. Is there any solution for fighting this feeling other than simply spending less or going back to work? Yeah, this is kind of like the, Jamie, this is kind of the opposite of the last question. Um, you know, from what are you going to do in retirement? Some people know, but they don't know if they have enough money to to do that. And some people, 
the money grips them with fear and it just strangleholds them and it's it's hard to pry them away from that from that mindset. All I can say, Jamie, is to have a plan and a contingency plan. So what if these things happen? All right, let's look at worst case scenario, if you will. I mean, even when we do income plans for people, we don't project like rates of return and we are, we are super conservative on that, and we bake in years of negative um, negative years of returns, so that way it shows our account balance is going down. So we try to paint as about a realistic picture as we can. So going through each one of those scenarios of worst case scenario, and I saw people adjust last year um, in March and April when the when the market was not doing well. Obviously, it recovered quickly, but I had several clients that said, "Hey, you know, we're not doing as much, so I don't need as much money per month. So let's let's take that down." So, being being flexible uh, is is great. Not having a lot of debt is great because if you have large debt, then that's a fixed payment, and and you don't have a whole lot of wiggle room. But if you do have things paid for, you you do have some flexibility and it's not something that needs to be cut back forever. It just may be short term. So we want to have a solid plan in place to where going back to work is not even an option, Jamie. So again, having a plan and having a plan B, I think is is probably what you need. But again, some people, it's hard to shake that mentality of, man, I have no earning power anymore. And so it's just they watch their statements and see that money coming out. But if you have a plan, you uh, you worry about those things a whole lot less than than those who don't have one. Yeah, thanks for that question, Jamie. Again, blackoakam.com. There's a contact button there. Send in your questions for us if you have them. We'll answer them here right here on Perfect Game Retirement. You can also call Ryan directly the old school, the old-fashioned <laughs> way, 470 <laughs> Ryan, appreciate the time as always, man. Uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Yeah, enjoyed it. Go dogs. The Perfect Game Retirement Podcast is brought to you by Black Oak Asset Management, serving the greater Atlanta area with offices in Alpharetta, Cartersville, and Macon. The show is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Subscribe to the show on your favorite app today and never miss an episode. Just search for Perfect Game Retirement to find us. You can also visit blackoakam.com to listen to past episodes, to contact Ryan Ledden, and to learn more about how to pitch a perfect game in retirement. Information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute tax, investment, or legal advice. Please consult with a qualified professional before taking any action. Securities and registered investment advisory services offered through Silver Oak Securities, Inc., member FINRA SIPC. Black Oak Asset Management and Silver Oak Securities, Inc. are not affiliated.